1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Steve Ball, and you're listening to The 77 Club. Darren, thanks for coming on to begin with. It's my pleasure. I promised you I would at the awards, so uh, here we are. I mean, at least one of us remembered. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I think I left a little bit earlier than you guys. Actually. That's very We were just trying yeah. to kick on. So, yeah, I, I, I was actually wondering what kind of state you would have got in. There are some great stories that you were telling. I missed some of them for various reasons. Just tell us how you got into commentary to begin with and putting up those false ceilings. I decided one day that I was going to leave school. I'd actually stayed on to do A-levels. In my infinite wisdom, I thought, I'll I'll pack it in with with nothing to do. And I'll join the building gang that the mates were on, putting up suspended ceilings. And they they did the ceilings at a theatre in Sheffield called the Lyceum, which is basically across, directly across from the Crucible, where they have a snooker world championship. Of course. So this would have been summer 1990. So I would have been 17 at the time. I was up there doing the ceilings. It was Italian 90 that summer, so there was a, a, it was a great time to be around football with Gascoigne and, and everything else. So we put the ceilings up, and they were kind of six foot by four foot plasterboards that were, that were cumbersome, they were heavy. I soon realised I wasn't cut out for this. I mean, the highlight of the day was either the fry up in the morning or the pint after. The rest of it was <laughs> a nightmare. So we weren't very good at the ceilings anyway. And the, the ceiling around the stage kind of came down at an angle and then flattened off. So we did this bit. And before the opening night, they fell in. Fortunately, I'd gone by then, so I didn't get the the stick from the ceilings falling in. But I was kind of wrapped up in it with some of the lads. But at that stage, I I went away to Spain for the summer. And when I came back, my dad was an accountant and he he represented a guy that owned a gym in in Nottingham. And one of the people that trained in the gym was the sports editor of the local radio station who got a PR company. And he needed a runner. And he said to me, he was, he was saying to the guy, I need someone to come and be a runner. So th- this fella put me forward because I was mad about sport. Yeah. And I thought, well, I can go back to the ceilings or building or labouring or whatever, whenever I like, so I may as well do it. So I remember they paid me 300 quid for three weeks' work, which was probably a significant raise on what I was getting for the ceiling. <laughs> so I ended up going to this, this event that was a, a running race that was basically done on the same lines as the Tour de France. And it was a running race from Glasgow to London, and they basically ran a half or three-quarter marathon every day. The leader wore a yellow vest. It was a team event, etc. And I was there to do the fetching and carrying. But one day, he used to write copy, and I used to call the radio stations and dictate the copy over the phone. And one day, they put me live on the air, and I'd been told not to go on the air. couldn't do that. I'd just have a building site. Mm-hmm. But I had to kind of blag my way through this report, and he was quite impressed by it, bizarrely. And then when the event ended, he gave me a job 
within the radio station, Radio Trent, as it was in Nottingham back then. He got my mum and dad in the following day and said, I'm going to pay him peanuts. He's going to do the jobs that everybody doesn't want to do. But if, he, if he's got the, the drive and determination to do it, he can make a career of it and I'll try and help him. So he paid me £3,000 a year. I worked 10 days a week. I did everything that <laughs> nobody wanted to do. And then eventually, I, 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 over, over a period of time, I got gradually better at it. And then I was able to kickstart the career from there. But it was, he always said to me, you didn't come through the back door. You came in through the basement. And I think he was right. It took a, <laughs> it took a lot of hard work. And, to, to be fair, if you'd have uh, done the roof, you could have come through the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't have needed to. There would have been a hole there. So it would have been fine. Now, it could have been all over before it began because I understand that the first game that you went to cover you were actually late for and it was a Wolves versus Leicester game yeah well it wasn't exactly the first game I'd done a few other bits and bobs in, in, in their infinite wisdom they decided to send me off to cover Rugby Union first and when I got to the stadium um, it was a Nottingham Rugby Union match back in the day when Nottingham were quite good I actually realised at the time I didn't know how many points you got for a try and all that kind of thing. So I was covering a sport and I didn't even know how you how you scored. So that was that was kind of. I mean, I, it's amazing to think I'm still here, isn't it? When you think how bad I actually was. <laughs> the more you but, talk but about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did a bit of, did a bit of football and then they decided one midweek night to send me to Molyneux. And I, I took my granddad with me because he he liked football too. So I was only I was only 18 by this time. I got a shabby old Atlas in the back of me purple polo. Volkswagen Polo. So I just assumed that you got south. Anywhere south, you went down the M1. And anywhere north, you went up the M1. So start cruising down the M1. And my granddad said, well, where are we going exactly? I said, well, we're going to Wolverhampton. He said, well, you can't get there this way. Nope. So I ended up getting there. By the time I hit Wolverhampton, the, the traffic was bad. They were playing Leicester. So I, I ended up saying, to him, look, I'm going to be late. The game had kicked off by now. And I said, you you know, you have to park the car. I'll go in. So by the time I got in the stadium, the first goal was going in. I think Andy Much might have scored it. I can't remember. So I plugged all my stuff in late. This is like 20 minutes into the match. And I'm thinking, this is me. Fired. I'll be done tomorrow. X, Y, and Z. And at that time, it was on a radio station called Leicester Sound. And Leicester Sound used to run uh, normal radio programs in the daytime. And at nighttime, it would become, become Sabras Sound, which was an Indian radio station. So the guy at Sabras, they, they didn't communicate very well, the two stations, clearly. So the guy at Sabras had no idea that I, this game was even on. Didn't know that I was going. So basically, I could have had the night off. and He wouldn't even care. <laughs> but So I said to him, I'm really sorry. It's 1-0. I've only just arrived. He said, relax. I didn't even know this game on. I'm not that bothered about it. I'll come to you in 20 minutes. So I actually got away with it. Had it been a, a, a more serious night, um, I, I might well have got the push there and then, but... I was able to uh, I was able to see it through in those uh, in those dark early years <laughs> when I was trying my best and not achieving a great deal. Well, someone was obviously looking down on you because you are where you are now. It's been an incredible season. We were talking about the Champions League final being a highlight, but you're talking about European competition in general being a wonderful thing to cover. Yeah, it is. I think at the moment it's the Premier competition. I'm not trying to do down the Premier League because I think it's great, but I think the Premier League is is split into various divisions and mm. if you're fortunate enough to get a great game you get a great game but i think there's a lot of games that you kind of know what's going to happen etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i'd like to see there be a little bit more parity in the premier league i think i think from your standpoint the wolverhampton wanderers story this year by the way is absolutely superb because they've come into the premier league they've stuck to the principles they showed in the championship in the main they've stuck to the same players they've added a bit of quality to it They've rewarded the people that got them there with, with, with better contracts. Mm -hmm. The manager now is doing what the manager did then 
And I think it's a lesson to everybody who comes into the Premier League that let's not panic. Let's not, let's not do what Fulham are doing and try and sign 65 people and expect it to work. Let's reward the people that get you there. Let, let's believe in what we do. Let's believe in the people we've got. And I think it's going to lead to Wolves finishing in the top 10 this year and then kicking on and, and really making a good go of it. But, but with regard to the Champions League, I think, it's the, I think now it's the premier competition. You cannot get a better night than a, a knockout game at Anfield when it's Liverpool against Manchester City or Liverpool against Roma. It just feels a little bit different. If you watch Liverpool against Man City in the Premier League, it's loud. You watch Liverpool in, in, in the Champions League against them and it's on another level. Mm-hmm. You get the best teams in the world. You get the best players in the world. You get all the fans inside the stadium that need to be there. And it just generates a fantastic atmosphere. Really pleased this season that we've got all four through to the last 16. We've got some massive nights coming up around the corner. And I, I do genuinely feel that this year we will get an English winner. And I think over the next five or six years, I think we'll get multiple English winners. Because I think at the moment we are, we, we've got a group of clubs in the Champions League who are, who are who are built to win it and ready to win it. So I think it's going to be really good. Just on the note of sports personality of the year, do you think the right person won it? I don't know whether the right person won it, but I was a little bit surprised by the shortlist, I've got to say, when I, when I looked at it. Um, I don't quite know how they get to it. I, 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 can't, I couldn't believe that Tyson Fury didn't get shortlisted uh, for what he'd achieved. Do you um, think that is because he is who he is? Well, I, it shouldn't be, should it? Because when I looked, the title was Sports Personality of the Year. There's not an asterisk below that says, but mm. X, X, yeah. X, 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 X. It kind of said Sports Personality of the Year. What he achieved in, in the boxing ring was one of the greatest achievements of the sporting year by anybody. So, And it, and it, also, um, it also captured the imagination of the country too. So I think it ticked a lot of boxes for me. But I think there's certain people that just kind of don't get mentioned. You know, big mate of mine is the world speedway champion, Ty Woffinden. He's yeah, the ride at Wolverhampton. Yeah, yeah, he's a legend. Ty never right even got a mention on the programme. No. He's the first British guy to win three world speedway titles. He won it in style this year. He's a great role model for his sport. He's a great kid. And he didn't even get a mention. Now, I can't work out why people don't even get mentioned. I mean, what used to get the role of honour and everybody was on there that achieved anything. I, I just think it needs a bit of... I, what I can't work out now is why can't they just turn up on the night Yeah, and just make it an open vote? Complete open vote. Who do you want to vote for tonight, boss? Mm-hmm. There we go. And, and if they're not there, fine. Yeah. You know, if you've not got the footage, fine. I, I, I've got to admit, you know, I think it's a, a really slick programme. I used to watch it all the time. I didn't watch it on Sunday. I've kind of gone away from it in recent times because... I don't really understand sometimes what the criteria is mm. to get shortlisted. All I would say on the back of that, though, the caveat would be that um, all of the people that get shortlisted are deserving in some way. The argument kind of is, are more deserving than others. They're all deserving because if you look at the achievements of everybody that was mentioned on the night, phenomenal. Yeah. You know, And I think it's great in many ways that smaller sports, minority sports, different sports, get highlighted on the night because that's going to help them. But I, 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 just, I just think sometimes, I just think for a little bit, it's lost its sheen a little bit. You know, I think it's just kind of moved away a little bit from, from what it used to be. You never used to be able to argue about it, did you? But everybody no. seems to argue about it every year now. <laughs> Do you think if Tyson Fury had beaten Deontay Wilder, 
it would have been something that they couldn't not award to. Well, he, he, he did beat Deontay Wilder. He just got robbed by the judges. Yeah, I mean, anybody true. who watched the fight knows he beat yeah. Deontay Wilder. And I think the thing with Tyson Fury is the journey that he's been on from where he was mm. uh, to where he is now is the reason why he should have been nominated. You know, yeah. I, I know that he said some unsavory things in the past. I know there's the issue of the drugs ban hanging over him, but I like to be... I like to believe that he's learned a lot of lessons along the way. And I think the way he handled himself around the whole Deontay Wilder fight was, was exemplary. And some of the things that he said he's going to do or has done and the, the help that he's giving people who do deal with severe depression, I think is, is remarkable. I think it's fantastic. I think it should be highlighted. And there's a lot of sports people that do that. And it's a, a very underestimated, undervalued part of what famous sports people do. They do a tremendous amount of work behind the scenes that people don't hear about. And, I think the journey that he went on and how he did it and what he conquered to get to where he was in the, in the time frame that he did was astonishing. I mean, just in boxing terms, it has to be one of the top five greatest boxing comebacks I can remember. Yeah. Um, it has to be one of the greatest sporting comebacks that I can remember. remember. So, you know, I think in, in many ways, you know, kind of whether he's, whether he's shortlisted or not for a program like that is, I suppose, irrelevant. I just hope that what he's done, bearing in mind what went off, what what's gone in the past, what he's done now, can be held up as an example to all people that it's not sometimes as bad as you think. You can come out the other side. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There are people that can help you. And if you've got a dream, no matter how dark the times become, there is a way to to fight your way through the wilderness and get to where that dream is, which. I think is an example to everybody, whether you like the guy or not, whether you agree with the guy or not, you you can't really take what he did and be anything other than motivated and impressed by it. It's a great point. And just on the, on the point of you've got to where you are today through a little bit of luck, a little bit of bad luck, a lot of hard work. What advice would you give to those young budding commentators? We were talking before we started recording that, it's very, very difficult now that there are more outlets that cover sports, but it's the starting out and, and getting your grounding and making your mistakes in the beginning that are hard to come by, isn't it? I think there's a few things that you need. I, I, I said this before. I did an interview on a podcast that Sam Matterface at TalkSport and ITV does every week, and I said to Sam, I said, the difference between the route that I had to take, and probably he did too, is that... I was aware that it would take me a long time. It would take me a big portion of my life to get to where I wanted to get to. We live in a world now where everybody wants everything instantly. And it's the world that we've created. And that applies to careers as well. People don't want to start on three grand a week and do everybody's bad job. If that's the case, they kick up and they want to go and do something else because they're better than that. Are they going to start a YouTube channel? Or Yeah. And the yeah. reality is that if you, want to, if you want to achieve something that, you, that really means a lot to you, You've got to be prepared to do some stuff that maybe you don't want to do. I could have quit many, many times along the way. And I know a lot of people that, that followed the path that I did were the same because you're tired and you're doing stuff that you think, I didn't sign up for this, and X, Y, and Z. But I think for a start, you've got to really want to do it because there are times when you go and stand in a football club car park in the rain for hours on end and you don't actually get to interview the person that you've gone to do. And you go back to your boss and you say, I didn't get anything today. And then you get a bollocking off him. Yeah. And you've just got to be prepared to go through that and, and earn your spurs and be prepared that it's going to be difficult. I think you've got to accept that you're not going to earn a great deal of money for a period of time. And, and you might not uh, in the future. Mm -hmm. You've got to be in it for the right reasons. And I, I, I was really lucky that I've met people along my journey who have wanted to help me 
And I think when you're fortunate enough to meet people like that, you've got to listen to what they want to tell you. You've got to take on board the advice that they're giving you. And then you've got to try and make yourself better. So I was lucky at the outset. Tony Delahunty gave me my job at the start back at Radio Trent. I then worked with a guy called Paul Ridley at MUTV. And Paul was the sports editor at the Sun newspaper, a real hard-bitten journalist. And he toughened me up no end and taught me what a story was and how you go and get one. Yeah. I then went to work at the BBC. And a guy called Jonathan Wall was one of the producers at the time. Um, and Jonathan pulled me aside one day and said, listen, I think you can be a better commentator than you are. Will you let me help you? Because I, I don't think you're going about it the right way sometimes. Now, my ego could have told me to turn around to him and say, no, you're okay. I, I know what I'm doing. You, 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 don't, you don't commentate. You're a producer. How do you know my job? Yeah. But I said, of course, I, I like that. Jonathan helped me a lot. Jonathan is now the controller of Five Live, Sport, of Five Live BBC Radio Five Live. So yeah. my career went alongside Jonathan's. Jonathan's been a huge help, influence, etc. on me. And then I met a guy called Grant Best at BT Sport who did a similar thing. Mm. I want to help you become a TV football commentator instead of a radio commentator. And I'll, I'll, I'll accept that you're not going to be great at the start, but I'll try and help you down the journey. And I've just been really fortunate to meet people along the way who have wanted to invest their time in me, which is such a, an amazing thing. And, and I'm so fortunate to have, have had that along the way because I wouldn't be where I am now in any way, shape or form without those people because you need that along the way so if people offer advice listen take it on board you know and and, and try and, and, and be better and uh, you know even now you know I'm, I'm 47 i'm the lead commentator at bt sport i've got the best job in my world i, mm -hmm. I couldn't better my world other people might want to do other things but i'm i'm doing the job that i've always wanted to do but even now i watch everything that i do yeah. So I'll come back from a midweek match and I'll get in the house at 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. I won't go to bed until I've watched the game back because it's fresh in my mind. I want to see wow. how I called certain situations. Could I have used a different phrase there? Could I have let the game breathe a little bit there? And then I'll watch it again the next day. And then I'll put that one to bed and I'll, I'll move to the next match. So every game I do, I do three times. I do it live. I watch it the minute I get back in the house and then I watch it the following day. And I do that religiously with every game. That includes if I go to Europe and do a Champions League match on a Tuesday and one on a Wednesday, I'll walk back in the house on Wednesday and I'll start watching Tuesday's game. The minute I've watched that, I'll watch Wednesday's game and then the day after I watch them both again. You have to analyse yourself. You've got to be your biggest critic. You've got to know what you're good at. You've got to know what you've got to get better at. You've got to want to get better on a week-by-week -week basis. And if I didn't do that, I would get gradually worse. That's what I need to motivate myself. And it takes time. You've got to turn around to the kids sometimes and say, look, I, I, I can't do that for a couple of hours because I've got to do this. You need an understanding wife. You need understanding children. You need friends who realise that during the football season, you might not see a great deal of them because you're out there working. And you've got to make sacrifices, but it's the best job in the world to do. So why, why would you not make those sacrifices? And the thing is as well, you know, the flip side of it is, I know there's lots of people out there now that want my job. So I've got to work harder than them course, because if yeah. they work harder than me, they're going to take it. And mm -hmm. I don't want them to do that. <laughs> I want to do this for a long time. So I've got to make sure that those hungry ones behind me who are thinking, I'm going to knock that clown off his perch because I'm better than him. <laughs> I've got to make sure that I keep working hard and I keep getting better because there are people out there better than me. There are people out there that can work harder than me. And for me to stay where I am, I've got to make sure that I can, I can continue to get better. And we, we can all get better every day. Sports Social Podcast Network.